So you'll be happy to know that uh, I want to start this particular episode of Undercooked Analysis off uh, with a little nod uh, in particular to our patrons. Um, Man, I've read some really nice things and I've seen some really nice things, but and people write all kinds of nice stuff to me all the time about uh, Undercooked Analysis and how it's like legitimately improved their their day or their lives or gotten people to do uh, creative things. And for someone like me, that's, that's huge. That's like really huge to read. And I wanted to share one in particular and I, you know, I'll share the more of these on occasion if people are into it, but um, just, this just jumped out to me. I got a message from uh, one of our recent patrons, uh, Jonathan Eggstaff. I know Jonathan's actually been a listener for a little while and um, I, I want to, um, I hope he doesn't mind, but I want to share this message he sent. Um, he said, um, I've been a big fan of yours and Kayla's work since the 1999 series, although Kayla wasn't in on that one. No, but I mean, I've contributed quite a bit. You since did. Since you sounded a lot more like you, you sounded a lot more um, like Dower back then. Dower? Yeah, you sounded a lot more like uh, suspiciously like Dead Palette back then because it was clearly <laughs> you and me doing 1999 and not me and Dead Palette. Uh, it, yeah, it, this is why Dead Palette and David have such good chemistry, because I'm secretly Dead Palette. Shut up, Dead Palette. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're the fucking negaverse Dead Palette. Yes. She's from that universe where not only is she the evil version, or maybe the good version of you, I don't know which. Oh, I'm definitely evil. At least I think I am. But you're also the female version. Which is funny, because... It's, it's opposite world. Yeah. You know. But continue what yeah. oh. which is funny because I've played girls <laughs> you have and not badly I will I, I'd say you did you there those those went well even I believe it I, w- I would say they didn't go train wreck quality <laughs> I still like the one oh god uh I still we're, we were getting so sidetracked sorry, sorry. Finish, I was gonna say finish. I still like the one where about the the little girl who interacts with the the Amish kid yeah, yeah. That one's fun. Uh, um, Elkhart uh, is not where the Holmes... Oh my god, the Holmes title is... not where the Elkhart is? There you go. Yeah. You know the title of the thing I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helped. You reminded me. I needed to remember bits of it. Kayla, stop. Yeah. Don't eat my shoulder. Yeah. I've been a big fan of yours since... Yours and Kayla's work since the 1999 series. Thank you for inviting me to the world of Alan Resnick, Dead Palette, Nightmind, the Benview Network, and Slime Beast. I'm not going to lie, I was in a big rut in my life when I found your podcast. I hadn't picked up my guitar in three years, and my life was suffering because of it. Then I found your podcast and thought to myself, look at this guy. He's doing what he likes all by himself, and it's what he loves. I went home and dusted off my old Gibson and started playing because you inspired me. You'll never know how much joy that brought me, and I wish I could donate more. Thank you once again for everything, and you and you make my dead-end job at, the, at a gas station bearable. I look forward to all your creative endeavors, and thanks for getting me back on my horse. And then, see that, Jonathan? Thank you, thank you. Like really, that hearing that we've had that kind of impact just makes it all like the whole thing way more worthwhile. And um, I really, again, I'm gonna, I'll ask, I'm gonna ask, uh, I'm gonna ask Jonathan first if it's cool that I share that on the podcast. Yeah. But I'm, try- I'm trying to think of something like funny to say, but I'm just kind of like at a loss for words. That's really touching, that right? John, you know, Jonathan's a sweetheart. And yeah, dude, Gibson, that's a nice guitar. Yeah, seriously, that's awesome. 
keep up the good work. Share share some tunes with us sometime. Actually, uh, I'll be uh, funny enough. Um, I con- uh, Jonathan got in contact with me for um, the artistry, and he said. Uh, you know, I'm a musician. I'm like, really? Tell me some, uh, like, a uh, little bit about your history. He gave me, like, this whole page thing. I'm like, oh, no, you're more than qualified. I'll definitely interview you. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, I actually should be interviewing uh, uh, Jonathan soon. So Excellent. I look forward to that. Right, before we and, and I just want to say real quick, before we delve into tonight's story, I don't know if I do this often enough, but I do want to extend a very big thank you to... All of my patrons, and while I have a decent amount, I'm just going to, well, I mean, I have a good amount of people who support this podcast, and while it's still in a reasonably readable number, I just want to read off those names real quick, because I can. Uh, big thank you to Ben Brakel, Katie St. Pierre, DJ Dash, Jonathan, Hugh, Hugh, I'm going to make Hugh Laurie. Asking, huh? Hugh Laurie. I wish, <laughs> oh, it, it, yeah, Hugh Laurie, actually. Hugh, Hugh Faulkner, Mike Walpole, April Holly. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, Terusu Reynard. Yes, I I know you're out there, Terusu. Uh, Chase Jolie. Anathan Zar, uh, Zaragoza. Anthony. Anthony. What did I say? Antonin. Antonin. Antonin Scalia. <laughs> He's contributing from the grave. Oh, man. So nice. Anthony Zaragoza. That's a cool last name. Uh, Nick Carver. Hannah... And I've, I'm going to butcher this. I've done it before because I read her name once before. Hannah Sedala? Sedalia. Sedala? Uh, no, it's, there's an I, sweetie. No, no there's no I. Oh, there else. is no I. <laughs> I'm so there's sorry. not an I, sweetie. <laughs> Hannah Sedala. Sedala. Uh, one of those is accurate. Um, sorry, sorry, Hannah. We'll find, we'll find out which one and we'll edit out all the mistakes. <laughs> Please let us know how to pronounce your name because we really do actually would mm-hmm. like. To... We I want to do it right. Uh, Cami Green, Stephen Day, Chris Julian, username one fifty nine, Andrew Morrow, who has actually uh, pitched me a story, which I will definitely check out. Uh, Scott, Thomas Mifflin, 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 Thomas Mifflin, George Contreras, Hiro Alato, Zach, Huseman, Zach Huseman, uh, Jake Bell. Melanie Sinclair and Kayla. Yes, I was. Mwah. I was the first um, patron for Patreon for Midnight Marinara. <laughs> I donate a dollar every single month. So, guys, thank you. Really, I know this is just a show. I know you also contribute mostly. It's either one. It's either for undercooked analysis or Midnight Marinara or both. And I know Midnight Marinara is really, really try to put all my quality. But the fact that you also enjoy this dumb little show where it's just me and and Dead Palette and Kayla or whoever else is on the show just just putzing around doing random stuff. Just I'm 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 legitimately touched. Thank you. You guys are really helping me in the long run, and I will I always find a way to return the favor. So yeah. Anyway, Schmushy I'm, I'm so I'm choked up. You're gonna you're taking over. This is what I, are we doing, Kayla? We will be reading a creepy pasta called "The Lights in the House Below." On Dead Pal's Jack Off Corner. This uh, joke wait. is not going to die, even though it's <laughs> no, really it's never stupid. Die. Hold on, guys. I gotta go get my dildo. I'll be right back. <laughs>
So, she's, oh, she's always unprepared. Me and David always have our dildos ready. Oh yeah, that's not fair. You guys come naturally come with dicks. <laughs> I'm not, I, like, I'm not well, lost for words. I like I like how that could be interpreted several different ways. We naturally come with dicks. Like, I don't that, that for a second. No, no, I, that's why I said it that way. Okay, good. I, 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 good, I'm proud of you. One of my favorite things to do is just say really inappropriate things so casually and just hear that pause from people like, wait, what did you just say? Welcome to Undercooked Analysis, or alt, a.k.a. Jed Pallet's Jackoff Corner. Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, it's not that I don't find this funny. It's just, man, we are not letting this die. No. Never. Never. As soon as I heard it's it. one of those running jokes that's just, it gets funnier and funnier all the time, I'm sure. I, I, I know Skillfully loves it. He brings it up all the all the goddamn time. Oh, no. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, God, yes, this is amazing. Um, So, that aside, so you, are, you, are you ready over there, DP? Yeah, you want to say what the name of the show really is? Okay, well, this is Undercooked Analysis, the show where Dead Palette will not let jokes die. I'm David. This is Kayla. Dead Palette's over there somewhere working things out. Working. Yeah. Working it. Jerking it. Working it. Let's get cranking physical. It. We are reading The Lights in the House Below, which is a cool title. It is a cool title. This is actually when I first really started seriously reading Creepypasta, just not long before I decided Midnight Marinero was a thing I wanted to do. This is one of the first ones I actually read. This one sticks out to me. Now, uh, I want to, it's been, again, there's been some distance between me and this story for a while, but I remember the title really vividly, and I remember liking it. I want to come back and revisit it and see how I look at it with uh, more, um, with a more, with, without the eyes of a, of a, of a bright-eyed, young, uh, creepypasta reader. So. Because now you've seen things. I've seen some shit. Me too. Uh, should I start us off? Yeah, go ahead. All right. All great writers claim to suffer from insomnia at least once in their lives, although I'm sure a bulk of them misuse the term and glorify the disorder. After all, all artists struggle, and it seems that lack of sleep runs common among those who strive to hammer out the next big thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, my mind immediately went back to how can we relate this to Dead Palace Jack off corner? <laughs> hammer out the next big thing. But, taking this seriously, I wasn't immune to this. And at the risk of sounding cliché, I simply worked better in the wee hours of the morning, unless I happen to be suffering from writer's block, which also seems to plague those who starve for our art. I recently moved to my home, which is perched neatly up on a hill. It's a ranch home, so there's not much around. Sometimes when my fingers are tired from typing and my brain feels like it'll, it will explode... I go, I'll go into the kitchen, make a cup of tea, and look out into the night. Below me, there is another ranch home that I could see from my window, although it had been empty for quite some time. Uh, let's keep reading, because I'm not sure we have enough yet. I, yeah. I agree. Okay. Like, it, it, There's a point where I'm like, do I want to say something? And I'm like... No, we can keep going. I think we should hit another maybe three paragraphs at least. Okay. The house below me wasn't unlike my own. Sitting alone at the top of the dry grass and dirt, it was two stories, white, with a wrap-around porch. For being empty, it was well-kept, 
although there were weeds sprouting out, every, uh, sprouting everywhere, and one of the windows, I had guessed the kitchen, assuming the home's layout was like uh, anything like my own, was broken. I hadn't noticed it until a few months after my move, but one of those nights where I was pushing 4 a.m., I noticed the lights on in that house. Immediately, my brow creased into a curious expression, knowing that the house had been abandoned and it didn't seem like anyone would be moving into it anytime soon. I leaned over the sink and put my face as close to the window without touching it, uh, but could see no movement from within the house. Is it just me, or is this paced actually really well? I don't want to say yes or no yet. Okay. Yeah, I think we need to still get a, a, yeah. a feel for it, but I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Let's, let's press on. A few days passed until I noticed it again. Although looking back now, I can confidently say it had been happening every night since the mo- moment I moved in. The second time I noticed it, I took a quick glance at the clock sitting over my dining room table. It was 3.30 a.m., and again, I could see nothing out of the ordinary other than the fact that the lights were on. So this is a pretty intriguing beginning. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a It's a very simple setup. And I think that that is charming about it. I like it. I, um, you know, and actually the interesting thing for me is this feels like very familiar territory for me. The idea of a ranch style home on a hill looking at an identical ranch style home below. Because uh, in Southern California, where we are, if you go out into like the Inland Empire or somewhere like past uh, L.A. County, Orange County, you're, or you'll find a lot of uh, like uh, ranch style track homes like that kind of built out into these like into these, like, uh, low desert hills, you know, things like that. And yeah. um, and um, so I have a very clear mental image, in my mind, a very clear image of what this looks like because I've seen so many places that look like this. So uh, it might not be identical. Like, it could, this could be anywhere, but that's the image that comes to my mind, and I actually find that very believable, especially because when the housing bubble burst, uh, a lot of these uh, track homes that were under construction just stopped, and so there are huge ghost towns out there of uh, half-finished, like, um, like you know, neighborhoods that have these similar, like, identical cookie-cutter homes in that ranch style that just don't, that are just mm-hmm. empty, abandoned. And, you know, th- this is a good concept uh, from the gig job because there's nothing inherently insidious about, I mean, it's a creepypasta, so we know that it's going to go somewhere like this, mm-hmm. but there's nothing insidious about a light being on, but it is the kind of thing that would get you curious because it's just something that's always there, and for it to be out of the ordinary, it's like, ooh, what's going on? It's like a very mundane life thing where it's like you get so bored that that's interesting to you. Yeah, I like that. And like and like Kayla was saying, I feel like... Um just kind of we're being eased into it in a nice way I, and and it better have good writing because this person is a writer our yeah. narrator is a writer so that's so we can be critical yeah mm-hmm. and but the writing does seem nice actually like it's paced well you do you can actually without not seeing any a lot of spare spelling or grammar errors same and then not only that without saying too much you do get a sense of who this person is why they would move out to this ranch-style home, and the fact that they're noticing this strange thing happening, and this all seems very believable. And like you said before, it, it doesn't seem like it's something bad happening. It's just like, 
there there's something strange going on. But then again, he's suffering from insomnia. He's trying to he has writer's block, so it's like he's it, there's still the sense of uncertainty, which is really nice to see. <laughs> the next night it happened again, and on the night after that, although I probably would have been awake otherwise, I forced myself into the kitchen at. 3.25 a.m., stirring my tea and staring intently at the window. I began to feel anxious, even though the notion of the lights turning on shouldn't be strange. But given the fact that it was occurring nightly in an empty house around 3.30 a.m. was a bit unsettling. Ah, uh, there's a, and now we're getting a pattern. I watched the minute hand on my clock to swipe to 30 after, and I turned my head towards my window. Sure enough, the lights flicked on, just like they had the other three nights. I leaned over the sink once more, this time pressing my forehead all the way up against the glass, as if I, uh, is as if doing so would give me a better view, but still couldn't see anyone moving about. I leaned back, frowned, and shrugged. Logically, it could be anything, ranging from squatters to a rare electric electrical issue. But at the time, I figured it would just let it. I would just let it go. Because I couldn't be bothered to worry about something so seemingly insignificant. I had a writing deadline and needed to make my, that my top, make that my top priority. I like this. The, the idea of electrical issues is is a very California thing too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing too is I almost think of like those timed uh, like the like timed lights. Like there could be a weird like automatic automated system in there. Oh uh, yeah. Like, um, yeah. mm-hmm. like, you know, secure, you got security systems, you got... That's left over. And... Yeah, and again, I feel like this house, the house below, doesn't seem like... Like, if it's identical to the one the guy's living in, I again, going with the California idea, it couldn't have been built all that long ago, you know? So it's reasonable to think that it would, it would have maybe even some... Even if it was abandoned, it would still have some more modern features in it that have still been abandoned with it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, two weeks passed, and although I tried my hardest not to stroll into the kitchen every morning at 3.30 a.m., I failed miserably and observed the same thing every night. It even got to the point where I would stay in the kitchen for hours before and after the lights would flick on, simply to spot traffic either in or out of the house. But as far as I could tell, nobody ever entered or exited, even during the day. The lights would eventually turn off around dawn and wouldn't turn back on until 3.30 a.m., during the third week, I ventured over to the home, looking for cars or anything hinting at human life. But the closest thing I found was a bike tire leaning against the back porch step. Given the weeds growing around it, it probably uh, it had probably been there for a while. The house sat empty as a recent uh, dug grave, and in the moment I couldn't help my, uh, but feel a little sorrowful. It was a really beautiful home, but the lack of anyone living in it made it exude a sense of nothingness and despair. Hmm. So I like that he's, at this point, there, there's really nothing all that strange about it. It's just his curiosity getting worked up. Uh-huh. But he he is a creative, and he's just kind of reading into this this situation, I think. Yeah, that's, that was kind of the observation I was making there looking is, at this. There's only one sentence I really dislike. And that's the house sat empty as a recently dug grave. It he, doesn't. He, I, I'll, I'll explain why I'm okay with that. 
he's a writer and he's and he's just really enjoying writing this. <laughs> he he's he's such a bored individual that this house is super interesting to him. Yeah, it, it's just the fact that it, the word, like the phrase itself, it just doesn't roll off the tongue at all. The house sat empty as a recently dug grave, and even then, it's like. Maybe it's because I've read too many creepy pasta, really bad creepy pastas. But it's like one of those bad creepy pasta phrases. That it's like, get it. But but here, but, I mean, but, but here, here, if if I if I separate it from everything else, it's not like if I didn't if I just read this on its own, I wouldn't think anything of it. It's it's a little bit. I can see where you're coming from. There, it's a little bit maladaptive. It's kind of like the really shitty version of Slenderman that's at the beginning of Everyman Hybrids and then a bunch of people stop watching because they saw the shitty Slenderman and then it turned out that there was a good Slenderman. <laughs> that's right. So so maybe there's a good Slenderman in here somewhere. Yeah. We'll have to see if there's a good Slenderman. Um, I'll see. Uh, you you just read the last one. Yeah. So... Was you, I, I, Wait, was that, would that be me? It's me or you or me. That was me. It's after... I'm after... That uh, would be me. Go ahead. I went around to the broken window, and my assumption that it belonged to the kitchen was correct. I peered in, although from what I could tell, nobody... Oh, sorry. Never mind. Go ahead. From what, uh, where, where is it? Uh, from what I could tell, nobody had been in that room for quite some time. A thin, visible layer of dust covered both the counters and floor, and cobwebs had made their way across the sink and sink faucet, as well as the ceiling corners. Although I'm no detective, I noticed the dust-covered floors had no footprints, and this disturbed me for obvious reasons. In order to alleviate my fears, I told myself the lights turning on had to be some type of electrical anomaly, and I stepped down from the porch. I walked backwards until I could see the entire house in my view, shielded my eyes from the sun, and looked, took one last look. I scanned from left to right, hoping to see any hint of anyone or anything living there, but just as before, there was nothing but emptiness. Hmm. That night... A freak thunderstorm rolled through the area, and for once, it wasn't the writing that kept me awake. The thunder sounded like bombs falling, and before I knew it, I was in the kitchen at 3 a.m. making tea. I finished my last sip when the lights turned on in the house below, and although it was it was a sight that was familiar to me, uh, familiar to me then, I still got up to look out the window. I couldn't see as well as other nights because of the rain, but sure enough, all the lights were on like usual. My hands rested on the edge of the sink, and just then a clap of thunder exploded. My hands tightened, and I jumped, but I calmed down rather quickly. About 30 seconds later, the power went out. Ooh. I was only able to register the lights going off in the house below me for a mere second before I heard a knock at my door. I jumped again and gripped the edge of my sink even harder. It was completely dark, and I could barely see a thing. I stood there, breathing heavily, then waiting to see if I would hear a knock again. I tried to convince myself it was just the thunder, but five seconds later, another knock. So he's, again, there's nothing really necessarily insidious about this. He's really getting himself worked up. Mm -hmm. And you, you can believe that. He's by himself. Surrounded by no one. And he, he's there to write. 
It kind of reminds me of, um, did you write the story, the one that Dead Palette did for his, the one for Halloween time? Oh, Malnourished? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, it, it sort of reminds me of that, like, a guy by himself in a house, and then he's starting to go a little... Stir crazy? Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like that, but I mean, it's not, just, not, I don't... not to that extreme as, like, Malnourished, but... Yeah, because the protagonist of that wasn't scared, but he was working himself up. Exactly. And that's the important thing, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, my part. I slowly... Oh, or did you want to say something? No, no, no. It's cool. I think this is... Uh, I think we're on a good track here. This is like... We're, we're, we're pushing through. Let's keep going. It's actually oh. a good story. It's like one of the things you want to keep reading. Uh, maybe we should go back and forth. Let's try and do this whole giant bit right here. Yeah. And, and I'll start it off, and then, Kayla, you want to do the other part? Sure. I'll, I'll sit this part out. You guys can handle okay. this part. Sure. I slowly walked towards the door, being too scared to look behind the blinds. I walked as closely to the door as possible to see if I could hear anyone outside. The rain made it difficult to hear, but I listened as hard as I could. Is anyone there? A voice said from the other side. It was a woman's voice. It sounded shaky and troubled. I kept quiet, too confused to respond and too frightened at the aspect of someone standing outside my door this late in a storm. Please, if someone is there, I need some help, she said. She said. Oh. <laughs> do you want me just to do all the voices? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, although by the time a layer of goosebumps had covered my skin, I answered back. After all, this woman needed help. I couldn't just leave her outside uh, her out, outside alone. Who are you, I asked. My name is Sandy. I live in the house, home below you. My power's out, and I have no lights or candles. I c can't be in the dark, not at this time. I frowned. Either this woman was lying, or I was going crazy. Because there was no way there was a woman living in that house. But... That wasn't the most frightening thing at the moment. It was the fact that the power went out mere seconds ago, and there was no way this woman could have walked from her home to mine in that amount of time. That house has been empty since I moved in, I responded. Please, just help me. I need the lights on or else. I rubbed the space between my eyes. Even if this woman was real... She was making no sense. I'm sure the power will come back on soon. It'll be okay, I said. She responded with a huge sigh, and I can tell she was sobbing now. A few seconds went by. I calmly waited to hear if she was, would say anything else. After thinking, she gave up, and I could rest easy. Uh, after thinking, she had given up, gave up, and I could rest easy. I heard her say, I saw you, you know. My eyes widened and my stomach dropped. I quickly thought back to visiting the house, making sure my memories were correct and the facts that I saw nobody at that home. What are you talking about? I asked. I saw you looking at my home through the kitchen window. A moment went by. My breathing quickened. My heart beat in my head. Uh, I felt a heartbeat in my head. And just then... Thunder rang out again. I jumped and squeezed my eyes shut. Then I opened them. She responded again. He saw you too. 
I paused, and fear seized my heart. I was completely sure there was nobody at the home, let alone two people. She continued talking. He comes at this time, and, and unless I get some lights on, he'll, he will take me. He's tried before. At that point, I was completely confused and unsure of how to respond, so I replied, Sandy, like I said before, I'm sure the lights will come back on soon. Just go home and wait it out. She began crying again. As soon as I step into the darkness again, I won't be able to ever come out. And when he's done with me, he'll be after you. He's seen you now. She laughed a little, the way those who feel exhausted from crying often do. Wow, that was... That's great. <laughs> Bravo! We just turned this into uh, one of Dead Palette's stories. GG. No, there's not enough sex here. No. no. It's like, okay, I'll let you in if you undress. <laughs> oh, God. G would be let in, and all of a sudden they'd be holding hands a little, and then talking a little bit, and then all of a sudden it, it, she would be blowing him, and then something fucked up will happen. That usually is what happens in a dead palette story. <laughs> so th this is good because we just got enough details to, like... The everything was circumstantial until there was dust on the floor. Then it's just like no fucking way people are in that house. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so that they like knew just the amount to describe before getting to this part. Mm-hmm. It oh, it's, it builds up nice. I stepped closer to the door again and slowly pulled the corner of the blinds away. I had to see for myself if there really was a woman out there, and I wasn't just going crazy. But then a bolt of lightning came across the sky, lighting up everything in my immediate view. To my horror, there was nobody standing on the other side of the door. My porch was completely empty. Uh, uh, it wasn't It wasn't until uh, well into the next morning that I felt a sense of calm and decided I would go looking into the history of the house. After a week or so of searching online and asking around with the locals, I found the most disturbing information. Uh, before we get to this part, maybe it, it would be good to discuss why that scene had so much tension to it. <laughs> and it's because what do you do in that situation? Because realistically, it's not a ghost or something. No. You know what I mean? Right. So there's some... It feels like there's some deception here. But she's really, this girl Sandy's really kind of like pouring her heart out to you. And so you're you're caught up between what if this is real and what if it's not. Mm -hmm. And so both scenarios are kind of like dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah, what 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 will I find when I open the door? Like, it's part of it. Even though there should be no reason to think that, but just based on the evidence gathered so far... I mean, it's 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 subtle, but it's good. And it is one of those like, what would you do situations? Because after all the evidence he's been given and he's hearing this, it's like, should you let her in? Should you not let her in? That but, but... It, that's what makes it so tense. Because even as a reader, I'm not sure what I would have done in and, that situation. And... And here's the thing, I'm a stone-cold skeptic, don't believe in ghosts or any of that kind of stuff. 
I'd probably err on the side of opening up the door. Oh, really? I think I, yeah, I think I would. Um, it's There's just something so weird about that. The fact that she's just like, I saw you, there's something to that where I think in the moment she has some sort of emotional leverage over me by saying that she saw me. That would make me kind of want to let her in. Mm. I can see that. You know what I mean? She she really does know how to like pull at your heartstrings. Mm-hmm. And anytime so- something like that, ha- like this invisible force has that kind of leverage, that is really interesting. Yeah, I should oh. I should probably use that more in my stories because <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> take an in- you gotta take some inspiration. You can take some inspiration away from this one. Yeah, so I did the same thing with Pale Luna. I love that. Oh, yeah. See, I keep, I, I feel like it's good because, like, uh, the ones that, this creepypasta that I remember, I feel like I, I remember for a good reason most of the time. No, this is fantastic. You want to, want to see if we can finish this one up? And we've only got a, f- well, there's a few more paragraphs. Okay. Uh, um, I, I was going to take go ahead. this one. About, oh, so this is, we're getting some explanation here, it looks like. Okay. About three years earlier, a woman named Sandy Carmichael lived in the home below me. Given the fact that rumors spread like wildfire, I'm not sure how much information was the truth. But apparently, she began telling her closest friends and relatives that a being was living inside her home and came to her around the same time every morning. Apparently, this being had attacked her when she was standing in her kitchen, which led to the broken window. Although as soon as she turned on the light, it went away. Long story short, she continued turning on the lights at the same time every night in order to keep this being away. Why she hadn't just moved is beyond me. Although I'm sure her story would be the same for every other per- would be the same for every other person who chooses to stay in an alleged haunted house. It was her home. The story continued after about six months. Again, this is hearsay. Her doctor prescribed her a sedative, and finally one night. She slept through the 3.30 a.m. mark and never woke up. Her death was said to be a suicide, but some have come to believe whatever Sandy babbled on about may have been responsible. I couldn't help but think of the night of the thunderstorm with utter terror, and I'm quite convinced the ghost of Sandy Carmichael visited me. One may ask why I believe this, especially those who are skeptical of the supernatural. But Sandy Carmichael said that whatever was terrorizing her was going to start terrorizing me. The lights haven't appeared in the home below me since that night, although this hasn't done anything to calm my fears. I've started to hear strange noises in my home, and I'm worried things will escalate. I've debated whether or not to turn on the lights in my own home at 3.30 a.m., although doing so would be admitting for sure that I thought something unnatural was in my house, and I'm not quite, quite ready to do that. There's another thunderstorm going on right now. However, I have made sure I have plenty of candles and a flashlight just in case. I keep telling myself that all rational human beings carry extra candles and flashlights and thunderstorms, and I'm just not admitting anything. But the lights have already begun to flicker. Every time they do, my stomach turns over. It's 3.04 a.m., and I'm hoping the power stays on. This is good. 
credited to Anja. Aja. Aja. Anna. Uh, <laughs> Elsa. <there's> a... <laughs> it's it's a J, right? Yeah. Uh, I will provide a link to the author. It's a Twitter link, interestingly enough. So open that right now. Just take a look. Oh, sorry, that page doesn't exist. Aww. Aww. But. Ajalaka. Ajalaka. Ajalaka is apparently the full name. But it's credited specifically as Aja. Damn. You know what I like about that ending? The part where it says he tried to convince himself? Well, what I love is that he's not... We don't... Other than strange noises, once again, he's not overtly being threatened by anything, but hes it's all built up in his head now, at this point. It's very, very subtle, and I like that. And we still feel tense for the author, too. We're like, oh boy, what if something really is after him? But we don't know that for sure. So I want to read this comment left by Lek. This is a good pasta. I expected more in the end, but it turns out it isn't that kind of story. The story leaves a lot to the imagination, but I still wish I knew a few uh, more hints how things would get him when the power gets out. So like right here, he's kind of having this conflict of trying to understand what the true nature of creepypasta is. Mm-hmm. It it is all about imagination. I don't want more hints. There yeah, is enough hints. This is fucking right on the money with I the wanna... amount of information I want. Exactly. This is this is a grade A kind of what a choice creepypasta is to me because it should it should it should have elements just enough to keep you guessing, but it should tantalize you with the unknown, not frustrate you with the unknown, but tantalize you with it. And it does that. It does that really well. I'll, re- I'll read another comment. Random guy. It started out good enough, suspenseful, chilling, engaging. But the ending was so anticlimactic, it literally ruined the story for me. It left too much to the imagination and left too much info unclear to the point where it wasn't even just where it wasn't even creepy. I just didn't like it four out of ten. Hmm. This person misses the point of what the story was trying to accomplish. Right. And the story accomplished what it set out to do in spades. It is supposed to be to the imagination but there's plenty of information here to figure out what's going on oh oh yeah god yeah the it's, thing it's, is... it's kind of it's it's sometimes frustrating because you see these people that when a creepypasta is frustratingly straight to the point it's stomach somehow still goes over their heads and i just don't understand how that can happen uh, David and Slimy and I actually read this dollhouse story, like this story, and it's clearly, clearly a dollhouse. Like, there's no doubt about it while reading it. And we go down to the comments, and people are like, "I don't get it." <laughs> well, oh that's the God. thing too. People do it with Slimy stories all the time, where they just like almost seemingly purposely miss what uh, his stories are trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazingly frustrating when th- things are painfully clear like this, and it's just like there's too much left to the imagination. No, right, there's enough, but you can figure out what's going on here. Right, yeah. And the thing is, I some people I think really want to pay off. They want to see a being. They want to see uh, something scary happen. And I just they want myself... they want something cheap. They yeah. want a cheap thrill rather than th- this thing where you have to work. It's uh, it's not the, uh, you know, it's skeleton a, that pops out. It's not they the, want skeleton. the skeleton. They're, they want basically like a lot of horror movies. They don't want the wait. They don't. They don't want the tension. It's not the 
it's not the skeleton that pops out as the anticipation of the pop out to m- mangle a, a Hitchcock quote. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, it's not. It's not the door. It's the silhouette of a skeleton past the wooden door. Th- there we go. That's mangling it. Oh, that's even worse. It, it's int- one of the things. It's I... not the foxy behind the curtain. It's the mangle. <laughs> one of the things I, I think. <laughs> I think that was good. I Thank think, you. I think we're now at that age where the horror movies is like, well, what's the twist? What's the twist? No, we and want it, a creature. We want we want a. It needs to have big claws a, and emaciated, and it controls children with its god. But here's ah, the, here's the see, funny part. You, well, real quick, the, keep your point in mind though, because um, I think I know where you're going. Um, have you ever seen that one Slenderman movie where they had like it's only like 15 minutes long and it's really overproduced and Slenderman has kind of a weird head in it? No. Do you know what I'm talking about, David? Vaguely, yeah. And it's just like the the movie completely misses the point of what <laughs> Slenderman is. Mm-hmm. And you a know, lot of people miss the point of what Slenderman is. Like Nick Nocturne went off on um, Always Watching, which I didn't think was as bad as he made it out to be. But that movie was attempting to understand Slenderman for any of its faults. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Nick would disagree with me there. Even if it failed, it, it was attempting to understand him. There are so many things that just misunderstand that completely, where something like Creepypasta, which is supposed to have the subtlety to it in points, and this imagination to it in points, they want it to be 90s, 80s slasher horror instead, and that's just perplexing to me, because it's just not that. No. And and that's what, the last story we did... Um, uh, uh, broadcast and tr- broadcast and eruption. I was constantly like, "Is this me projecting my wants onto a story?" And I don't think that these people have questioned what the story is trying to accomplish. No, we uh, we. I mean, granted, we are well versed in a lot of this stuff at this point, and we kind of know what we're looking for, and we're asking. We are actively asking all the right questions because we are we are active readers. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of come into it with a certain expectation and they want that expectation met. And I think sometimes it's people define what a creepypasta is by certain things. To, to We have a definition of creepypasta, which I think is more accurate. Um, but again, that's our opinion. A lot of people go into a, a creepypasta and think this story is going to have some payoff with some sort of horrible nightmare inducing image at the end of it, you know? Mm hmm. So and you don't get that here, and people are going to feel disappointed. Whereas me, this is exactly what I want in the end of the story. It's the unknown. It's the threat of something unknown that is ten times worse to me than anything any monster or ghost or whatever well, could be conjured up. Some of the be- well, some of the best horror stories you do. It's actually, I mean, think of like long time ago. It's not the twist or like, oh, what's the monster at the end. It's the tension that builds up. Like one of, the, I mean, it's kind of maybe overdone now, but one of the best stories, if you read it, is the monkey's paw. And one of the things I love about it is he makes a the basically the whole story is um, people wish on the monkey's paw, but it doesn't get what exactly they want, and it turns out a child has died because of it. So this guy makes a wish for his child to come back to life. And the great part is that tension, because he can hear his son 
crawling out of the grave, coming up and is like, Dad, let me in. And he's thinking, what have I done? Have I created a zombie? You never see the sun in it, in this. It's just described, like he him hearing the sun. And then he, he's getting scared, not sure what to do. So he grabs the monkey's paw, makes a wish. That's all that happens. It just says he makes a wish. You don't know what the wish is, and that's beautiful. What a great tension-building thing. Oh, yeah. And that story has stuck with people. And that's why I say it probably is overdone, because we've seen it on The Simpsons. We've seen recreations of it. We've probably heard this idea of the monkey's paw pop up in every different, like, supernatural story thing. The idea that we never see Sandy, either, is that's... kind of, to me, reminiscent of that. You hear her voice, but we never see her. And to me, the fact that you never see anything in this story is even better. And you know what? The, the best part is, like, not long after the story was written, Sandy appeared as a character on Spongebob. <laughs> no! God damn it! Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. Ah, you went there. Ka Ka Kayla, what was the point you were going to make? Actually, uh, one of the po that was actually part of the point. Okay. I was gonna okay. make. Basically, the idea that... Um, Nothing is scarier? No, I think uh, a lot of good stories... Uh, even I was actually one of the things I was going to make is a movie reference. Like, okay, what is the most famous thing you remember from Psycho? Uh, from the original Psycho? Yes. The shower scene? Exactly. Why Why the shower scene? Because uh, you don't actually see the murderer. Exactly. And it's very tension building. You just, uh, it actually, think of how prolonged it is. Her taking a shower. The time is spent, and you know this, like, something's not right. You can hear it in the music. You see the person come up. You see their shadow, and it's quite frightening. It, it's a lot of tension building. Do Nobody ever thinks, you know, what was creepy about Psycho? Realizing that he was, it wasn't his mom, but him the whole time. ba ba ba. It's that shower scene, the tension building scene. You know, another... A scene that had a lot of tension in that movie because that your point remains you can keep going further into that like what is the second most tension building saying in my opinion it's when the car is sinking yeah and he and he's like freaking out it's like the fucking sink already like that's and and the the reveal hasn't been you know given yet you know what i mean yeah mm -hmm. you're still working up to it and you know, going into that movie unspoiled, and I did, the the ending is almost anticlimactic. Yeah, I agree. And it, well, it also hasn't, that part of the movie hasn't aged well. The rest of it has, but that part didn't, because it was sort of a novelty then. And since that novelty isn't there yet anymore, really, the rest of the movie is just the best part. I do still find, and this may be just me, but I do still find that image of the corpse of Norma Bates with that light swaying overhead, casting the shadows. That's still a really yeah. creepy image, though. And then also, yeah. I have to admit, him, like, sitting there, and then his mother's voice is talking. He's like, yeah. I won't even harm this little fly. And just this face. But that's just, like, good acting on the... Um, I, forget, yeah. I, I forget the actor's name who played Norman Bates in that. But, again, great facial expression. He, he, they really casted very well in that film. But at, at the same time... You don't think of that. You think of the tension building in that. And a lot of good horror movies, you tend to base on that. Halloween, for example. One of the 
one of the scenes that always sticks out in people's minds is the beginning. You're watching someone getting killed in their mask, and you're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And you're freaking out. I mean, the I fact that... I love the people that say that that's a generic design for a monster. For, like, a killer. A kid? No, just the Halloween... Michael um, Myers? Me and Michael Myers. Myers. I love people who say that that's generic. <laughs> it's like you're... No, it is generic, and it's great because of it. That's the point. He's de- There's a reason he was referred to as the shape in the credits. Well, there's a... I mean, I've already told you my theory that... or a theory I've heard that, like, if you take away the face, it makes him inhuman. And that's what they did with Mike Myers. They took away the face, made it inhuman, made him inhuman by giving him a mask. Yeah, and I don't know where we're going with this. But basically, but the idea, been, but sorry, my, my whole point, and I basically reference a lot of movies. I could reference books and stories, too, but, but I'm trying to, we, we've got a podcast. We're doing a podcast. I'm trying to get to the general audience here. So, um, basically what I'm trying to... Our audience is pretty smart, though. They are pretty smart. They really are. But usually the best parts of any horror story or any scary story is the tension building. It's not even the payoff. It's the tension itself. Exactly. The payoff is still important, but the tension is almost what matters more. Yeah, and it's, it's good to have that ending where it you, you can almost have it be really obvious, but the fact that you have to do some work makes it better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea of um, Bell Plains 1995 or 97, I can't remember the name of the story, but it's uh, one that the Little Fears read. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a great video where uh, the ending is really obvious if you just do the work but you have to do a little bit of work just a little bit and that gets you engaged (laughs) and i've done things similar but i don't want to toot my own horn because i probably do that too much already (laughs) well so you'll just have to listen to all of my work to figure out what i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) well um shameless plug there's my plug go listen to uh go listen to yuki again Everybody, go listen to Yuki. I just finished Yuki. It's awesome. I can't wait to solve the mysteries. Or to solve the puzzles. You gonna start doing some puzzle solving? Yep. Well, it's not all finished. You finish what's out there. You're caught up. Or I get caught up. I, I've listened to all of them, and the stories are fantastic. Thank you. I actually... No, I, I, they're quite enjoyable. Um, but I have to... But then there, I know there's puzzles, and I'm like, okay, I gotta try and figure these out. It's easy to listen, but the puzzles are going to take some time. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is I tried to make the the videos themselves accessible without having to, you know, listen to all of Yuki. Mm-hmm. I think it works out, because I kind of, I when I was uh, suggesting ones for Kayla to listen to, they, they were a little out of sequence, but then... Yeah, the only ones that you need to really, like the, the warmth ones and the... Um, uh, and Snow and Our Walker, those are the only ones where you need to, like, listen to all of them. Mm-hmm. And the order really doesn't matter. You just need to listen to all of them to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the rest of those videos are all pretty uh, self-contained with hints at, at a greater story. <laughs> but enough talking about myself. <laughs> Fucking certified fresh. Certified yes, fresh. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, this is one I had. Unfortunately, again, uh, there's only a lot of this is very introspective. And um, apart from that one section of dialogue, this would not I, I feel like this would be a great one. I, at first, I thought this would be a good one for Midnight Marinara, and then I realized maybe not so much unless I really deviated from my usual style, because this is very narration-heavy well, and what very I'm th- visual. What would be cool is if you just had, if you kind of abbreviated the beginning part, and then you would have to have some sort of friend for this guy to talk to. Maybe online. Oh, like phone maybe calls? On, yeah, you could have him like talk online via Skype or something. And then extend the scene with Sandy. Make that scene longer. Ooh. You know what? I'll think about it. Because, I mean... Ooh, ooh, and then you could have the the friend do the research instead of the guy. Yeah. <laughs> there you the, go. Because the friend is better at the research or something. There you go. Yeah. Look, you're, you're hearing it happen here. Live. Well, not live. <laughs> Fucked. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Um, Because, you know, like... Whenever we hit a good story, I don't care where I find it. I'm going to, like, look into it. And uh, I thought String Theory went over pretty well with people who listened to it. And They seem to like it. I mean, I feel... Uh, I think the difficult part, though, was um, <laughs> talking about String. Yeah, I know. And, I... That, and that's a tricky thing, because, like, when I was reading your... Like, reading it and trying to edit it, I'm like... Yeah, it's kind of tricky because there it's it is a bit visual. But this one, this one, and I love I love stories where I can you incorporate thunderstorm and rain sounds. So you know what, this is a candidate for a midnight marinara episode, guys. Let me know if you think is let me know in the comments where you or you know leave feedback if you think this would be a good midnight marinara episode. Uh, if enough people like it, maybe I'll I'll put one together. Anyway, Certified Fresh, we all love this one all around, and uh, I think that's uh, as good a place as any to wrap this, because we rambled for a long time. And when we come to kill you, all you'll see is the knife. All you'll see is the knife. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.